Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Miami Vineyard Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, breathes life into you, and helps you experience God's love. Enjoy the message. Hey, Miami Vineyard, so good to be with you. So good to be with those of you joining us online. Hey, can we make some noise? Can we welcome in our online Vineyard family? Come on, let's hear it for them. Normally, I'd be bringing you a message at this time, but you got a real special treat this weekend. Before I tell you who it is who's coming on stage, I'd like to invite you if you're, if you're, to find our message notes. Message notes are all virtual. You can find them on our Miami Vineyard app. So if you're with us today for the first time, either in the room or online, you can download our app. It's a free download. Go to your app store, search Miami Vineyard. Or if in the room today, you can scan this QR code in the seat back in front of you. you can, once you get the app downloaded, just tap on this weekend message notes, this weekend message notes, and if you want a hard copy of the notes, those are available in the back as well. So, this weekend, you're going to be hearing from a good friend of mine. His name is Denville. Denville. Denville served on our staff here at our church as a pastor for multiple years. Uh, in about 2019, I think it was, he relocated, uh, him and his family relocated to Chicago area, greater Chicago area, where he lives now. But he's back here trying to warm up from the cold winter. And he's with us this weekend. So to put your hands together, give him a warm welcome to Pastor Denville. Miami Vineyard, how y'all doing? <laughs> uh, it is so good to be back in sunny South Florida. Y'all, um, if we haven't met, like Pastor Kevin said, my name is Denville, and um, it is so good to be back in South Florida. My family and I are from South Florida. Um, y'all would not believe. Um, I, I, I came, and I, I forgot where I was for a minute. You should have seen me on the highway. Um, I was doing the speed limit. I was using my turn signals. And um, it, took, it, it took about 10 minutes before I was like, oh, no, this is not, this is not the outskirts of Chicago, but this is good. So good to be back. Guys, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love to, for you to grab your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a physical Bible, you could get the one on your phone, get the notes. Um, I have a word I've been praying about for us for this weekend that I want to share with you, um, and it's going to come out of the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. And I love the, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8, especially because Mark is uh, arguably the first gospel that's ever been written, so the first person to actually capture the life and ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is Mark. Um, and in Mark chapter 8, something pivotal is happening. Um, they're actually at an apex in the story of Jesus' life that I want to bring us into. And so I'm going to start from verse 11, uh, and some of the verses are on your outline here if you follow along with me. Um, it reads this way, Mark chapter 8, verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him, and they asked him for a sign from heaven. And Jesus, deep, he deeply sighed. He said, and he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? That's Jesus with the attitude. Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them. And then he went back into the boat and he crossed over to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for the one loaf that they had in the boat. Jesus speaks again. He says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And then the disciples began to discuss with one another what Jesus had said. And they said to each other, is it because we have no bread? And aware of their discussion, Jesus said, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? When I broke five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? They sheepishly replied, 12. And then he said, well, when, when I broke seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets did you pick up? And they said, seven. And then he said, do you still not understand? That's Jesus' way of saying, 
If you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. If you do me a favor, I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to give them the title of my message with some real attitude. I want you to tell them, we have had enough. Just, just tell them, we have had enough. That's the title of my message. I want you to jot it down. Uh, we have had enough. That's the title of my message today. Um, Jesus is, is at a place in the story where I believe many of us are, where we find ourselves. Uh, we find ourselves in a place where we have gone through some things in the past couple of years because Jesus is, is a couple of years in his ministry with his disciples. And after a couple of years have gone behind us, uh, we come to a pivotal point where we start to look ahead and say, um, the decisions that we make ahead is going to be defined by where we just came from. And Jesus is having a very important conversation in this portion of the gospel, whether you figure it out or not. Because they went through something, but it's not just what they went through it's how they went through it for the past two years with his disciples just like the past couple of years with us um we have been going through some things but we didn't just go through them we've been growing through them that um i don't know if you realize uh it's like my kids i don't see how much they're growing until y'all tell me because i was just going through it i didn't realize that they were growing through it as well and at some point as we go through things we don't realize we're growing through things and we can look back and find out that we became something that we never intended to become Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. I put this together this morning. I said to myself, God, I don't know if they're going to like it, but I'm going to try. There becomes a point in our lives, um, I don't know if you live long enough, you could turn around and look at where you came from and look at who you've become. And if you're anything like me and say, I'm just like my daddy. And I didn't even realize it. At some point, if you live long enough, you realize that you weren't just going through the motions, you were growing through the motions. And at this point, Jesus is realizing that these boys haven't just been following him and going along with him, but they've been growing along with him. And at this point, it's a conversation that he has to have that I want to have with you. And I want to tell you about some things that we have to keep in mind as we grow further with God. I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot that down. As we grow further with God. There's a couple of things that Jesus has to pause and tell them because you need to realize that you're not just going, but you're actually growing. And here's some things I need you to keep in mind as we grow further with God. We've had a hard past couple of years, and if you look at yourself today, you might realize some things about yourself like I do that I didn't even realize I was becoming like this. And sometimes I didn't realize I was growing until I realized what I've grown into. And Jesus pauses the conversation and says, here's a couple of things I need you to know before we grow further with God. In Mark chapter Six, uh, Jesus has fed 5,000 people. And then in Mark chapter 8, if you keep in track, 6, 7, and then 8, in chapter 8, he feeds uh, 4,000 people. And it's unbelievable that Jesus could do all of these miracles. And what has happened is there's, there's a group of people called the Pharisees uh, and another group of people called the Herodians. Um, and they have a big problem when Jesus does miracles because you know what that's like because everybody don't like it when you do good. Everybody's not celebrating every time you win something. Everybody's not your fan. I don't know if you live long enough to realize that everybody's not cheering for you when you do good. And Jesus didn't have a whole cheerleading party, so don't you complain when you don't either. And so everybody didn't like Jesus. And the Herodians, they were the ones who were saying that, um, look at him, he thinks he all all that making all that bread and making all that fish and feeding everybody and what and what they were threatened by was Jesus's fame because see uh, they were the ones who were supposed to be taking care of the people and Jesus was now trying to become a better version of them um, and I, I, I don't know where y'all work but sometimes there's some people um, who look at your success and think that you're being good because of them okay all right all right my fingers all right, my and, and so 
So they had a problem with it. And so what they were doing is they were trying to convince the people that there was something wrong with Jesus. Oh, look at him. He thinks he all that. He's actually not the son of God. He's actually a devil. And they were talking all kinds of trash about who Jesus was. And so Jesus pauses at this scene and he has a conversation to tell them about their belief. See, what you believe actually matters. I used to think that Jesus wanted us to believe in him because he was insecure. But can I tell you something? Jesus is not insecure and needs you to believe in him. The reason why he says to believe in him because what you believe shapes the way you see the world and the way you see the world is the way you live in the world. And so he, so he is not insecure. He knows exactly who he is. And he said, let me tell you something about the way you believe because what you believe is going to be the way you behave. See, uh, I, used to, I used to think that people were bad because I was watching their behavior. But until you sit down with somebody and talk to them about what they believe, not about what they experience, because I've also learned that two people can have the same experience and have two different beliefs and come out very differently. Ah, I used to be a police officer here with the Miami Police Department, and what used to happen with Miami-Dade County is that we used to train in the police academy, and then we used to go out and we used to work the road. I remember my first arrest I made was my best friend from middle school. Now, now, now <laughs> don't you do it, right, right, right. So, so we, we went to Richmond Heights Middle School together. We had sleepovers together. We grew up together. We had the same kind of experience. And I was wondering to myself as I was placing handcuffs on this young man, how did you get here and I'm here when we went through the same thing? Because we could go through the same thing and believe very different things. And the way that we believe is how we behave. See, I didn't believe that I was a product of where I came from. I believe that where I came from was a springboard for where I should get to. He saw it as a problem, and he succumbed to the pressure. <sighs> okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, my heart's full and my note's full, and I believe that God is actually wanting to lead people into something further than just peripheral and shallow belief, because what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about the world, will shape the way that you follow him, will shape the way that you let him lead you, and watch this, it's going to shape the way you let him love you. And that's why he's saying, I need to talk to you about your belief, because the Pharisees are trying to make you think something about me that's not true. And, and if, if the world can convince you something about Jesus, something about the church, and something about the Christians, that's not true, then they have won. Hey, this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, so, so watch it. This is why Jesus says, if you're following along, he says to be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod or the Herodians, some versions would say. Um, yeast, for those of you who do not bake, yeast um, is, is a microorganism that you put in bread, and it makes bread rise. Um, it, it's, just, it's, it's, it's like a little powder. Um, what Jesus is saying, I want you to watch out for the little influences that get puts into a little bit of batter and makes the whole thing rise. I want you to watch out for the little things. It's not the big things. It's the little things. It's, it's, it's the little things that get put into the batter, and when it gets really mixed up and you put it up against fire, it changes the whole the, the frequency of everything. It, it, it changes the dough. That what was flat begins to rise, not because of what there's a lot of, but because of the little bit of yeast. Jesus said, be careful of the little influence. The, it's not the big stuff. It's that one tweet that you liked. It's that one post that you liked. It's that, it's that one thing that you read. It's not the books you read. It's the post you read. It's the little yeast. And Jesus says, I want you to be careful. I want you to watch out for it because the small things that you believe changes the way that you see everything. The small things you believe about yourself allows you to, to make people mistreat you and get away with it. It's not them, it's what you believe about you. It's the small things I believe about you that makes me not like you. It's not the big stuff, it's that little stuff. See, it's the small things that influence our belief in the way that we see the world. And as we grow further with God, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Jesus says he wants us to watch for subtle influences that distort Christ. It's the subtle 
influences that makes us want to see God as something that he's not. Because if I can make you see God for something that he's not, you won't let him lead you and you won't let him love you. This is the oldest trick in the book, literally. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's the oldest trick in the book. I want you to see what happens in Genesis chapter 3, right? Um, after God made everything perfect in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, the, the God had made the man, the, the woman, the Adam and the Eve. And there was a serpent that came to them. Um, after God had given them some, a beautiful land, he, he told them how to live in it. And he gave them some rules and some boundaries in how to live in that space. And the serpent comes to them, if, you, if you're following along, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. He says, God knows that when you eat from this tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, y'all must have missed it because it's yeast. <laughs> it's tiny. See, um, let's look at it again. God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open. What does that mean? God's petty. And he just don't want you to see. He's just trying to keep you from the best stuff. The implication is that um, God knows that if you eat of it, your eyes will be open. The implication about you is, girl, you can't see. You blind. See, if I can make you believe something about you, it's going to affect the way that you behave. And the implication along the way is your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. The problem is that God already made them in his image and in his likeness. They were already like God. If I can convince you that you're not like God, you'll pretend to be like God and you try to become something that God has already made you. It's just a little bit of yeast. And watch what happens next. Um, when the woman, if you're in your Bible, I want you to circle the word when. It was when the woman saw the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, that's when she took it and ate it. Y'all thought the sin happened when she ate the fruit. The sin happened with a little bit of yeast because she believed something. It changed the way she saw the fruit. It changed the way she saw the garden. changed the way she saw herself. And when all that changed, she said, mm, let's have a fruit party. <laughs> see, it's the little bit of yeast that changes the way you see everything, and it makes you reach out and do something real stupid. That's why I don't judge people by the way that they behave because I know that behaviors are just an extension of beliefs, and so I want to talk to you about your beliefs. How am I doing? You guys are good? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, 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 so what Jesus is telling his disciples is that I want you to watch out for the little bit of yeast from the rival influences. Now, this is where it gets kind of sticky, Pastor Kevin, because I want to talk to the church about what Jesus is actually saying. And I know that the government has done this whole thing of separation of church and state, but I'm just going to read you the Bible. Jesus says, I want you to be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the religious people. And the Herodians. Everybody say Herodians. That's politics. Jesus is saying, I want you to be careful of the small influences around your religious beliefs and your political beliefs. Because there are some things in religion and some things in politics that are trying to influence your beliefs, and they'll change the way that you see God, and they'll change the way you see yourself, change the way you see the world. And it just won't affect the way you vote, because voting is just half of the problem. It'll change the way that you shop. It'll change the way that you treat, you treat your neighbors. It'll change the way that you treat yourself. It'll change the way you treat your spouse. It'll change everything. The little things about your religion and the little things about your politics, it affects everything. And Jesus says, hey, hey, guys, watch out for the little bit of yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, what happens next is, is actually fascinating because we find out that Jesus is trying to warn them around some concerns. And just like you and me, when God is speaking something profound, it's hard to hear him when you got something else on your mind. You, you ever have somebody talking to you and you just zone out? <laughs> Y'all, this happens to me. Um, people will be talking to me. I'm looking you dead straight in your mouth, dead straight in your mouth, watching words come out of you. And I'm thinking about, man, that steak was good last night. 
and, and I hope nobody ate my piece of steak in the fridge because they said, dear God, no, I'm not going to like right. And I'm looking you dead straight, and I'm like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, because my mind can be elsewhere. And that's what's happening in the story. I want you to see. Um, so look at Mark's. Mark is narrating the story. So you got to read this passage correctly, okay? Um, in verse 14 is a narration. So it reads this way. The disciples had forgotten bread except for the one loaf that was in the boat. That's the narration. And then the scene opens and says, be careful, Jesus said, right? So Mark is giving you a narration around what's happening. Now, they forgot bread. That, they forgot bread. So when Jesus says anything about yeast, they were like, oh, he's mad about the bread. He's mad about the bread. Jesus is talking to, to them about their religion and their political influence. But what's captivating them is that they forgot bread. Your guilty conscience is a horrible interpretation for God's word. That sometimes it's my own guilt by which I hear him, and I can't hear what he's saying because my conscience is speaking so far louder than he is. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this one down. As we grow with God, we confess our insecurities that distort God's words. That sometimes it's not my interpretation, it's my insecurity. See, I don't interpret scripture all the time. Sometimes my insecurity does the interpretation for me, and I don't know what God says. I know what I want him to say because of what's going on in my own heart. And my insecurity is, is a horrible interpretation for the word of God because God is trying to speak something far more profound, and all they can hear is their insecurity and their lack. Because watch this. They had forgotten bread. So when Jesus says, watch out for the yeast, they were like, oh, he knows about the bread. <laughs> they didn't even hear anything about the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Herodians. They, they, they realize that they forgot because when God begins to speak, that's what they hear. Your insecurities, where you fall short, and the things that hurt, and the things you failed at, they get so caught up in them, and it's hard to hear anything else that's in the world. And so what we do with those is we confess them. See, confession is not to shame you. Confession is not just religious. Confession just kind of puts out there the thing that's going to interpret the narrative for me. And once I confess it, it kind of loses its power. Have you ever confessed something and in the moment you come from underneath it, you're like, oh, I feel free. I don't know what just happened, but I said it and my interpretation begins to change. And so I just confess. Listen, I can't really interpret this passage well because I'm in a fight with my wife. I can't interpret this passage well today because I'm not in a good headspace. I can't interpret this passage well today because I'm broke and it's talking about money. And my insecurities cannot interpret the scriptures, so I just confess them. Y'all, whatever you hide is going to interpret for you. Confession is, is a powerful ordeal when it comes to God. So we confess our insecurities so that they don't distort the word of God. But look what happened. Um, it's not just that they had forgotten. It's also that they had a little bit. It says, except for the one loaf that they got. Sometimes it's not just our insecurities. Sometimes it's what we lack. Sometimes it's, a, it's the things that we don't have. It's a little bit of skills that we have, and I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough skills. So God is saying, hey, it's time for you to step in and start to serve. And you're like, well, I don't have enough skills, and I don't have enough time, and I don't have enough of this. And, and, and you start to distort the word of God and, and the invitation of God based on what you lack. And sometimes God would say, hey, it's time for you to get back out there and start dating again. And you're like, oh, little on me, I can't. I'm too insecure, and I don't have a little bit, and I don't have a lot. And sometimes God has an invitation, but my lack and my insecurity does the interpretation. And so we just confess it so we can hear him and interpret him properly. See, if we're going to grow forward with God, this is important. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right, so, so, so this is what Jesus is doing, right? So Jesus is bringing them into this place, and they just cannot hear him. Now, the good thing about God, if you ever try to read the scriptures and you don't understand it, let me tell you the secret about how good Jesus is, that if you can't get it on this level, he will never hold it up at that level and say, grow up. <sighs> that was my chemistry teacher. My chemistry teacher refused to make it easy. 
And she was like, grow up, Denville. And so I was glad when I met Jesus because Jesus says, if you don't get it on this level, Denville, I'll break it down for you on this level. And I was like, mm, I'm still immature, Jesus. And he was like, get an NLT Bible because you could read it. And he says, come down on this level. And I just started to, and Jesus would come down on my level, but he doesn't change the lesson. He gives the same lesson on a different level. If this is too deep, let me stop. Watch this. <laughs> Listen, Jesus doesn't change the message. He takes that same message that he intended. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Oh, they missed it because of their insecurities and their lack. Let me bring it down to them on their level. Are you guys with me? Watch how Jesus does this. I'm telling you, he is good. Watch how Jesus does this. Verse 17, he says, why are you talking about having no bread? Now, at first, I was like, ooh, Jesus is about to get him, right? But, but, but when Jesus says, why are you talking about having no bread? If, you, if you're in your Bible, I want you to underline the word talking about. Or some of them say reasoning. And I want to give you a fun Greek word so you can impress your friends on Monday morning. Um, there's a Greek word in this text because the text was written in Koinonia Greek. And that Greek word is dialogizomai. Bless you. It's good. <laughs> um, dialogizomai. Let's say it together. Dialogizomai. Again, dialogizomai. That means to think about, to reason, to ponder, to pontificate. Jesus says, why are you pontificating and considering and deliberating about having no bread? But it's not just to think or to consider or to, or, or to ponder or to deliberate. What it really means is to think and to ponder and deliberate on the basis of something. Let me explain to you what I mean. When you go to buy a new car, you don't just go and buy a new car based on anything because you ain't got that much money. So you buy a new car on the basis of how much money is in your bank account. So you're going to dialogizomai on the basis of how much money you got. Now, you may have all the money in the world, and you're like, mm, money's no problem. So when you go in, I'm going to dialogizomai the color. See, I'm going to decide based on the color. Uh, when you serve in jury duty, and they tell you the crimes that someone has committed, they don't ask you how you feel. They say, I want you to dialogizomai on the basis of the statute, not your own feelings. This is what the statute says, and I want you to reason based on this. You guys good? Okay, so now you can impress your friends. Dialogizomai means to reason or to reckon or to, right, to pontificate, to wander, to ponder, to deliberate, right? And, and so Jesus is asking them this question. He says, why are you reasoning on the basis of having no bread? They missed it. That's good. Why are you reasoning on the basis of having no bread? Okay, that's good. That's good. I was just looking around to see how, how, how you guys were doing. Um, <laughs> I've seen people try to rebuild their lives on what they lost. I've seen people try to go forward on what they don't have. I've seen people try to make decisions not based on what they do have, but based on what they don't have. And Jesus says, why are you dialogizomai based on having no bread? You cannot build a house on a foundation that you don't have. You cannot reason based on money that you don't have. When we start talking about how much money you should spend, you can't think about how much money you don't have. When Pastor Kevin says to, to, to drop the last digit and give the rest to God, you can't be like, well, I don't, I don't have enough. You can't reason based on what you don't have. Jesus says, why are you reasoning based on having no bread? Some of us are like, I, I don't have enough bread. Bread, money, it's a black colloquialism in the African-American community. <laughs> dough means bread, right? He says, so I don't have enough dough. And Jesus says, why are you reasoning based on having no dough? Use the dough you got. Dialogizomai means to reason on the basis of something. And so the third thing I want you to jot down is as we grow, we refuse to live only in what we lack. We refuse to live only in what we lack. We refuse to build our futures based on who left us. We refuse to go forward based on the jobs we didn't get. 
We refuse to go forward based on the opportunities that didn't work out. Because if those things are speaking, I'm, I'm never going to try again. I'm never going to get up again. I'm never going to move forward again. But we don't build on what we lack, on, on, on what we lack, on what we don't have. We can't build on that. Jesus says, why are you dialogizomai on having no bread? So look at what he says. Do your eyes fail to see? Do you fail to hear? Don't you remember? And then, y'all, he does math. So I'm going to do math. And so y'all going to need to do math because Jesus does math, okay? All right, watch this. Jesus says, all right, um, I broke five loaves. Everybody say five loaves. And and he fed 5,000 people. 5,000, right? And then he had 12 baskets left. Think I got the math? Right? So five loaves, 5,000 people, 12 baskets left over. And then he says, add seven loaves. Everybody say seven loaves. And that fed 4,000 people, and there were seven baskets left over. And then Jesus says, did you get it? He said, you got five loaves, fed 5,000 people, you got 12 baskets left. And you got seven loaves, fed 4,000 people, you got seven baskets left. You get it? I know. I know. I read the Bible and I was like, Jesus, I'm going to the Miami Vineyard. You got to tell me how this story ends. Um, look at Mark chapter 8, verse 14, one more time for me. Um, they had forgotten to bring bread, except what? E- except what? One loaf. Why are you dialogizomai based on having no bread? But it's not that you didn't have no bread. You had some bread, but you refused to dialogizomai based on the bread that you have because the bread that you had wasn't enough. So you started talking about the bread that you didn't have because you thought the bread you had wasn't enough. And Jesus says, well, well, let me tell you what I did. When you started with five, I fed 5,000. When you had seven, I fed 4,000. And now you got one. Do the math. Ah, you missed it. Let me tell you. Jesus said that when you had, when you started with five, I fed thousands. You started with four, I fed thousands. Now you got one. What am I about to do? That, 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 that when you start with less, Jesus does more. I'm trying to tell you that starting with more only belongs to the marketplace, only belongs to the economy, only in this world do you start with more, and it's really good. Jesus says in the kingdom, when you start with less, it's actually better. He's looking for people who don't have a lot, but he's looking for people who have a little bit, because a little is more in the kingdom. When you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, you'll find that the kingdom is like a man who goes into a field, and he finds a little bit of gold, and he says, ah, we have had enough, and he buys the entire field that a little bit is a lot in the kingdom so far be it from me to say god i need a lot you saw what i did with five you saw what i did with four and now you got one what are you going to dialogizomai based on Miami vineyard family i'm trying to tell you that knowing that we start with less is actually a good thing i want you to jot this down as we grow with god we know that starting with less is more it's a paradox. Um, it doesn't feel right. Some of you are like, nah, Denville, that ain't true. I got a little bit. My dad had a little bit. Mom had a little bit. And I need a lot. Jesus would say, all right, well, let's do some math. When they had five, we had some. When they had four, they had you. And now you have none. We'll keep doing math. Don't worry. What Jesus is doing, Jesus is giving us a principle about the kingdom that we must understand, that God is always in the business of less and not in the business of more. 
That when God was becoming a human and coming into the earth, he didn't go to the palace. He didn't go to where Caesar was. He came into a manger because it's better to start with less. When Jesus was deciding who he was going to pick as his disciples, he did not call the Pharisees. He did not call the Herodians. And he did not call the Sadducees. He, he found some pimps and some prostitutes and some tax collectors and some day laborers. And he said, I'm going to start with less. Because if I start with less, nobody's confused about who's doing the work. My problem sometimes is that I'm gifted in certain areas and I get confused about who's doing the work. So, so, so sometimes I'm confused and I think that God picked me because I'm awesome. <laughs> and it's only until he calls me to something higher and I mess up and I realize, oh, you call me because I'm not. <laughs> See, I realize that God is not calling me because I'm great because the, the great things is not what he uses. He uses the little bit of stuff that doesn't work really well because he says it's better when I start off with a little. And starting off with a little is better in the kingdom. There was a rich young ruler that wanted to follow Jesus, and he had a lot. And Jesus says, ah, you got too much money. I can't work with it. Go give it to the poor, and then come back when you have a little. And he's like, ah, it's not how it works. And he walks away sad. Because, because Jesus says, it's better to begin with a little, dialogizomai, based on what you have. Because you saw what I did with the five, you saw what I did with the four, and now you got a one. What are you complaining about? Are you with me? You may not have seen God do everything, but you've seen him do something. God may not have come through on every promise, but you've seen him come through on some promises. And I've came all the way from Illinois to tell you this, this day that you should not trade what you do know for what you don't know. Don't walk out on God for what he didn't do. Stay with him for what he did do. Because Jesus is telling you to look back into your history and to realize, guys, you may not have everything, but you got one loaf and two testimonies behind you. And baby, that's enough. All that you need is that one loaf that's in your boat and the two testimonies of what God has done behind you, and that is enough. And so we're going to dialogizomai based on the power in our past. I want you to jot that down. Based on the power in my past. Now, when I say power in my past, some of you are like, I've never seen God multiply bread. I've never seen him open up the Red Sea. But here's how it might sound in your story. Girl, I was lucky. I was so fortunate. Or this one. It just so happens. It just so happens. See, sometimes we see God that he's doing something. It's that somehow, some way, I don't know how. It's kind of strange, isn't it? That's the power in your past. And sometimes the yeast is to call it luck. But the yeast is going to influence how you see God because God is trying to bless you, but you keep calling it luck. And so God is telling you that don't be confused by the yeast because God has been blessing you. Look back and realize there's power in your past, that God has been with you before you were with him. He didn't wait for you to start following him before he started following you, that he was with you since you were born. He's been holding you. He's been carrying you. It's been power that has kept you. It's been power that has kept you. And so he said, there's been power in your past. You got two testimonies. Listen, next week, if, if you show up next week, you're going to see a bunch of people getting baptized. And if you're considering baptism as your next step because you're afraid of what you're going to do forward, baptism is not about what I choose to do next. Baptism is about what God did behind me. Baptism is a public acknowledgement that God has been walking with me before I even knew it. And today I'm choosing to maybe just grow with him forward. And if you're considering baptism and a little bit of yeast has been confusing you, can I encourage you to get online and to sign up and to fill it out and take that next step because a little bit of yeast about what you believe about you and about God is going to change everything. I believe it's going to change everything. And the last thing I want to give you before I get out of your way is that we're going to dialogizomai on the account of the miracle in our midst. See, it's the power in our past. That's two testimonies. We saw him feed Thousands, five. We saw him feed thousands, four. 
And now we saw the miracles back there, and, and now we got something in our midst. Not what we don't have, it's the one loaf that we do have. And the miracle in our midst, the loaf that's in your boat, what you've got in your hand, it's just a little bit of stuff that God has given you. It's the stuff that you've discounted. It's the stuff that you think God doesn't want to use anymore. It's the stuff where you said, I'm too old and I don't have enough skills, or maybe I'm too far gone, and maybe, or, or, or maybe I'm not smart enough, or maybe you're a person with disabilities and you think that those are your disqualifiers. And can I tell you that if you have one loaf, you have more than enough? That there's a miracle that's in your midst. There's a miracle that is in your midst. That God has carried you for too long. You've seen testimonies around him. I told a friend of mine this morning, um, when I saw him, I, I said, there, there's some places where you just got to show up and just be the testimony. Because when people know where you've been and they see you standing, you ain't got to say much. That's the miracle that's in your midst. And sometimes you're a standing miracle. You're a walking miracle. There's a miracle in your midst. And so we're not going to make decisions based on what didn't work, what didn't happen, and what didn't last. We got two testimonies and one loaf. And, and that's how we're going to go forward. That's how we're going to grow with God. We're not going to make decisions based on the little bit of yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of the Herodians. We got two big miracles behind us, at least, and we got one loaf with us. So my opinion, before I get out of your way, I just need to ask you a couple questions just to make sure I did a good job and just to make sure that you understand my sermon, make sure that you understood what was going on here, and I need you to holler back at me a little bit, and I need to know, as you've been walking with God in the past, has he been faithful to you? Has he carried you? Has he brought you over mountains? Has he been with you in valleys? Has he brought you out of trouble? Has he forgiven you? Has he carried you? Has he brought you out of pain? Has he healed sickness? Has he held you in your sickness? Then baby, you got one loaf and two testimonies enough to stand up and to praise him and to tell him thank you. God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for where you've been. I thank you that I have enough. I got one loaf and two testimonies and I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna give him glory today because he has been good. God has been good to me. God has been great to me. He's kept my family together. He's kept my mind together. He's kept my job together. When I lost something, he gave it back to me. I got one loaf and two testimonies. How find somebody and tell them I got enough? We have had enough. We have had enough. Listen, if you're new to the vineyard, let me tell you, when you see people standing and praising God, it's not because they have a lot, it's because they have a little and they've seen God do a lot. That's what this is about, guys. That's what this is about. Listen, I want to pray for a couple people specifically um, and before I get out of your way. The worship team is going to come up and Kevin's going to join us back. Um, but in just a minute, I want to pray for a couple people specifically that, that's on my heart. Um, for those of you who really have a little, um, like, like life has just really beaten you down and like you have like one little crumb, one little loaf left. You don't have to stand. You don't have to identify yourself. But God is just putting it on my heart to pray for you. Maybe you're a person with some disabilities or maybe you don't have enough education to step into something. Maybe there's a space even in, in the church where you've been invited to serve um, and you've said no because you've been counting on what you don't have. And tonight God is calling you to count on what you do have. We no longer make decisions on our lack, but we, may, we make it on the loaf that's with us. And if, and if that's you in this space, we're all going to pray together, but I specifically want to pray for you. If you just hold out your hands like this as if you're receiving a gift, because what God is doing, he's giving you just a little bit of the yeast of the kingdom, a little bit of vision about who he is that would change everything. Jesus, would you come in this room? Would you pour out your power? God, would you pour out your goodness? For those in this, in this room that have, quote unquote, gone past their prime, for those in this room that have lost too much, for those in this room that have been disappointed too much, 
for those who have kids that are wayward and, and they just cannot see them having enough, God, would you show us gold? Would you show us just one loaf? If you show us what we have left, we'll do something with it. We aim to be faithful. We're not too far gone. We haven't done too much. But you're still with us. For those in this room, even with physical disabilities, maybe with emotional or mental disabilities or something that you've just discounted yourself, the power of God is coming on you and he's giving you value tonight. You are valuable. You are lovable. You still count. And he still wants you to grow with him. So God, I thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill hearts and change lives? We love you, Jesus, and we bless you. Amen. Thank you, Miami Vineyard. Thanks for joining in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. We'd also love the chance to connect with you. You can text the word NEW to 786-705-8930. Again, that's NEW to 786-705-8930. And we'll give you some next steps with how to plug in and get connected here at Miami Vineyard. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening.